0: See you there. Do yourself, back to its roots. I wanna go, I wanna go. To
1: Love this podcast? Consider supporting this show. You decide how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Visit the link in the episode description to support now. You are now listening to Your Life, The
0: Mixtape. Welcome to the season finale of Volume 4 of Your Life, The Mixtape. This week, I am joined by someone whose enthusiasm and encyclopedic knowledge of the past and present have made him a go-to for music in Canada. He is the host of one of the top-rated Sirius XM shows. He has over a million followers, friends, and connections on social media, and it is more than clear why billboard paste national post and more have said he is a must follow he is a six-time nominee for publicist of the year during canadian music week he has worked 19 juno awards 35 canadian folk music awards and 60 maple blues award winning albums He has worked with the likes of Ringo Starr, Ray Charles, Jerry Lee Lewis, Buffy St. Marie, Merle Haggard, John Prine, Slash, The Wiggles, Steve Earle, Snoop Dogg, The Smashing Pumpkin, Sinead O'Connor, Sesame Street, and hundreds more. Please welcome the absolutely incomparable Mr. Eric Alper. So tell me uh what was what is the last song that you listened to?
1: The last song that I listened to was Life's What You Make It by Talk Talk, one of my all-time favorite bands. Um it is from a vinyl edition of It's My Mix and uh an EP that was only available in here in Canada and I bought it the first day it came out and promptly lost it. So I bought it again on on eBay last week. It came in this morning, and that was the first song that I put on there. And uh, that's what makes my day so glorious from here on out. So you can't ruin it. You can't ruin it, Greg. I've already listened to my all-time favorite song. So, uh, yeah, that's the last song.
0: Who is an artist that you feel like everybody should be listening to?
1: Um... I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a really easy answer and I think the Beatles. Um I think the Beatles are still underrated. I think that the world is still playing catch up to them. I think if you're a musician or an artist um and you ever get stuck just go back to the Beatles. They they did it all. They started songs off with a chorus, they started a song off with feedback, they ended a song with a giant sing along of Hey Jude, um, they wrote about dead people, they wrote about living people, they wrote about people that they just invented in their mind on drugs. Um, the the way that they turned song structure inside and out, upside down, and still made it um, respectable and loved. Uh, I, I can keep going back to their music and just marvel at how lucky I am to have been on the same planet that their music exists so much and also wet leg.
0: <laughs> so, so taking it back a little bit, uh, tell me what is the first song that you remember hearing?
1: The first song that I remember hearing um, was um, great ball of the fire by Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, I heard it on an AM radio station that played nothing but the hits. It didn't matter who you were, or what kind of music you played. If it was a hit song, the the local AM radio station would play it, um, and that was probably back in 1975, 76. And I promptly went out and bought that, followed by Donny Osmond's Greatest Hits. And uh, uh, I like to say that both kind of went out in a in a in a big way to kind of shape my life.
0: What is the song that you always put on when you're in your feelings?
1: Um, You know, lately it's a song from Sam Fender called 17 Going Under. Um, I know Sam Fender is pretty big in the UK. I know he sold out a lot of shows. I know people who listen to college or campus radio stations may know who he is. Um, He's kind of like this pseudo Springsteen-like Um, guitarists with uh, a a huge band and um, including a saxophonist, um, something that you don't really hear in rock and roll anymore. And I went to see him at Osiega in Montreal and I didn't really know a lot about him. I knew of him. I knew he was big, but I never really sat down and listened to his music. Like I kind of normally do when I'm working with a lot of the festivals um, doing PR for, and I, I stood in the audience just mouth open, aghast at how amazing he was. Um, And the song 17 Going Under is essentially tells the story about what it's like growing up in his hometown in the UK, absolutely broke, having to sell drugs to help his mother pay for health insurance and her health um, issues. And it's just about how he's 17 years old kind of going under all of this, under all the stress and the mess that's going on and what it's like to be a kid. So every time I kind of feel old, every time I kind of feel sorry for myself, I put that on and it would be like people listening to Bob Dylan telling older people than me what the truth really was. This, I think Sam Fender is one of those guys that are so authentic that it it, it puts me back into a a state of this is what music should be. It's it's great. It's hummable. You can sing it at the top of your lungs. Um, and uh, and it tells the truth.
0: On the flip side of that, uh, what's the song that immediately puts you in a good mood?
1: You know, it, it, <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them. Sugar Sugar by the Archies. I mean, it's hard to, to be angry when you listen to a song like that. Um, Chassé Lange by wet leg I I think is just every time I hear it on the radio, I always film myself or at least the people around me kind of bopping around to it. Uh, So it's a little bit of an inside joke um, to me. And, and, and the few friends that I do have. Um, So I'm going to say, I'm going to say wet leg. I'm going to say that.
0: What is the best song to sing in the shower?
1: Uh, The best song to sing in the shower. Wow. That's a really good one. that's, uh, you know, it, oh, wow. Um, I, I think I I always have a song in my head, no matter where I am, but seeing it is very, very different. Um, the bathrooms always have a great acoustic. So I'm going to go with in the air tonight by Phil Collins.
0: What song best summarizes what love is
1: run to you by Brian Adams. I love that song. I love the fact that it's such a great song and it's so well known and it's, all about a guy cheating on a girl and we're we're all for it so i think i i think that one is like sometimes you you know chris rock used to say that you know a man's a a man's you know love of somebody is based on the only option that they have available or something to that effect like a man is only good as the option that that he has when it comes to love uh and i think run to you is so classic and it's like you know you think that they that this that everything is all hunky dory with the two of them and then you realize that it's it's some guy that is going to be cheating on his on on a woman that has no idea what's going on and i think you know love is a bitch man so i am going to choose run to my prior even though i'm happily married for 23 years i just wanted to say that i got no feet i got no like oh that song is my life you know none of that i just think it's it's such a great twist on on what we think love is all about
0: so on the flip side of that, uh, what is the best breakup song? Uh,
1: the breakup song by Greg Kin. Um, The best breakup song. I think anything off of Fleetwood Max Rumors is always really good. And it's one of those albums that sounds that much better at three o'clock in the morning when you have a, a a couple of drinks in you and you're just trying to get through the night.
0: What is the song that whenever it comes on, it has to be played at max volume?
1: Uh, Running Down a Dream by tom betty um that is just the classic i've actually gotten a speeding ticket um to that song and uh when i told the police officer that that song came on he just looked at me um and probably wanted to arrest me for insanity but um yeah i think that's that's the the great great uh, highway driving song you you do realize that I've never had to answer any of these questions myself. And so this, this is when people say, how come you get to ask so many questions on Twitter and never answer them? It's like because I never think about this. I never think about this kind of stuff. And people are surprised. They're like, but you talk about music all day long. It's like, yeah, I listen to music and I talk about it, but I never I, I never get to kind of go into, you know, other than, but the song I want in my funeral. That's, that's the only time I really think about that, those kind of questions. I I'm so, t- I'm sure it's stereotypical. I got 72 million songs on my fingertips, but it takes me 45 minutes to figure out what I want to listen to next based on my mood.
0: What is the greatest song from a film soundtrack?
1: Um, my heart will go on by Celine Dion. i um, no, I'm going to say. Oh, you know, I mean, that's a that's a pretty good song right there. You can't argue with Celine Dion. Um, There I'm going to cheat a little bit. But um, when I was eight years old, I saw the movie American Hot Wax and uh, I saw it by myself. My parents were at another movie in the same movie theater when we were up at the cottage. And you know, small town, you can do things like that back in the 70s is just drag your kid to the movie theater, go see what you want to see, and then just leave your kid somewhere else. Um and and American Hot Wax told the story of the uh DJ Alan Freed, um, who coined the term rock and roll, brought the first rock and roll concert to Cleveland, Ohio, and Thus America. And um uh, and it was a docudrama. It, it it wasn't the real Alan Freed. Jay Leno was in it playing a, a character, um, and it told the story of like you know how rock and roll really kind of began. But up there on the screen, it all ended in in a big concert, the first concert uh, in Cleveland. And up there on the screen was the real life Chuck Berry and the real life Jerry Lee Lewis. And Jerry Lee Lewis, um, I, those two cats absolutely blew me away. As an eight year old, it was like how you and I listen to people talk about or listen to people talk about watching the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show or watching live aid or being a Swifty. The the first time that, that something like that absolutely changes your world. Um, And as an eight year old, I realized that that's what I wanted to be a part of. I had no idea what that world was. I just knew it was science fiction to me. It was like, who are these people? Um, So I'm going to cheat a little bit and say that um, that that 12 minutes of American Hot Wax absolutely revolutionized my life and changed it. Uh, And without it, I'm not 100 percent sure I would be talking to you at this point. So I'm kind of kind of going to say that that segment of American Hot Wax.
0: Start to finish, what film has the greatest soundtrack?
1: um i love almost famous that's a movie that i can watch anytime um no matter where i land on it if it's on the tv i will always continue to watch it so i i think the the mixing of of a fake band doing pretty decent songs and bringing a lot of classic songs back to life i i just the music supervision in that song was absolutely perfect with all the sound effects and, and, and the use of music, even if it was only five or six or seven seconds or playing half the song. Um, so I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say almost famous.
0: What television show has the best theme song?
1: Uh, the love boat. Um, <laughs> the, the best theme song. Um, yeah. Love Boat was pretty was pretty schmaltzy. I I got I have no doubt, Um, but it absolutely set it up for what you were about to see, which was a boat and and people falling in love with it. Um, Yeah. I, I Yeah. There were so many in the 70s. There's Good Times and the Jeffersons and um, All in the Family was a classic Tin Pan Alley use of of music. Welcome Back, Cotter, even though that they kind of cheated using John Sebastian and that song became a hit. So, yeah, that that whole run of like 1975 to 78, Happy Days, Three's Company, um, Family Ties. There were so many there were so many great opening segments to TV shows that set up for what you were going to watch. That is absolutely so lost today. And and I know I'm going to sound old, but like when you and I get it, like you got to get to the the opening scene right away. You have to you can't. Have somebody watch three and a half minutes of opening credits now. Um, but it was so cheese ball and and so awesome that uh it, it's amazing that we had the the time to sit through something like that because nothing else there was nothing else to do.
0: What is the song that defined your generation?
1: The song that defined my generation. Um If I'm going to, if I'm going to go a little bit older, it's going to be smells like teen spirit by Nirvana. Um, I was 21 when that song came out. So when I was in university working for the campus newspaper and working at the radio station there, um, that was the beginning of grunge. That was the beginning of, of Brit pop. So you had all of these amazing bands like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Nirvana, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins. And then on the other side of the pond, you had group that I absolutely adored, like The Verve and Oasis, Stone Roses, Charlatans, um, and Primal Scream, Happy Mondays. And so when I was kind of getting my bearings and figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, reading Q Magazine, reading Mojo Magazine, and The Enemy and Melody Maker every week and every month that those issues came out, it was reading about just another another place that was having a a magical music moment. Um, But I'm going to say probably Nirvana only because it almost literally switched overnight of, of how you were going to dress, how you were going to act, how you were going to talk, how, how much you hated the world, how much you hated corporations, how much you hated big business. It just seemed like being authentic, was just as much of a fakery as everything else that was going on, but it seemed pretty real to us, so I'm gonna choose that song.
0: What is the greatest music video of all time
1: um it it's It's so naive to be like looking back at at some of the video that I grew up watching that absolutely blew our mind. I mean everything from Michael Jackson's thriller where where MTV and Much Music here in Canada is devoted a quarter of an hour, almost every hour devoted to that video. Um Billy Jean blew our mind, Beat It blew our minds. Um but I, I I think just in terms of of influence and and great song and and wow, I, I think take on me by aha is still it's still pretty marvelous to watch. I mean, it—the whole rotoscoping ability for them to use that kind of animation so early on in that in that group of 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 art—still um, holds up. It's still cheesy to watch. It's still fun to watch. Um, and really, without it, you mean you we may not have Pixar in the way that we do because that was what led Disney and and Pixar to start creating a lot of the the animators. And and production people who worked on that video ended up working and starting those companies of cartoons that I still watch and, you know, beloved. And uh, uh, it, it's wild to think just how much animation was used in the late 80s, um, mid 80s with Aha and Dire Straits, Money for Nothing, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, because um, it was all new and you can kind of do whatever you wanted to do. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say those ones.
0: Excellent. What is the greatest musical collaboration of all time?
1: Um, the greatest musical collaboration of all time. Wow. Wow. These are really good. Um, Aretha Franklin and Eurythmics sisters are doing it for themselves, which was pretty rad. Um, that was, that was pretty amazing. That has to be up there. Um, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. The Ike and Tina Turner releases from the sixties were great. Um I I think it's so I mean there there's so many that today that I love. I mean there's so many good Drake songs. There's so many I mean it seems like every song that has to come out has to have a feature in it now anyway. Uh so I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go just off top of my head with Sisters Are Doing It for themselves. That's still a song that I will never ever shut off. There's a shout out to the sisters that are doing it for themselves from Greg and I. And we all know the answer, which is essentially that if you and I were to create a song, it would be the greatest collaboration of a song ever released. And Queen and David Bowie's under pressure. I'm going to throw that in there as well. I, I know I'm cheating. I know that people are like, no, you can't. Yeah.
0: No. In in the history of the show, most people have multiple answers for the questions and
1: and what do we win at the end of this segment, anyway? Right? Am I going to get points docked because because I chose two songs? No, no.
0: So you are at the the gates of whatever kind of afterlifey type thing. Uh, that- I am.
1: I am right <laughs> now. That's so amazing. Can you tell from my background? Oh, okay.
0: Um, and before they'll let you through, uh, they're making you a lovely gift basket. There's some muffins and uh, some paperwork that you can worry about later. Um, but they are also making a mixtape of your life. So tell me, what is the first song on that mixtape?
1: Uh, Shout by Tears for Fears. Um I, I think it has one of the greatest beginnings of any song Kicking off one of the greatest and my my all one of my all-time favorite albums from Songs from the Big Chair. It is um, you know, that that band um really kind of taught me a lot about psychology. It taught me a lot about primal scream therapy, which I have absolutely no firsthand experience in, but it was a way in to learning about for the first time in my life as a 15-year-old how musicians could be writing songs that were my age, or at least from my generation, um, telling me that you can write songs about yourself and releasing it to the world and having 50,000 people sing that song back to you. It was the first time that I realized that, that you could write a song in complete isolation and everybody, or at least millions of people around the world, um, could relate to that. And, and I knew that before I knew the connection of music. I knew how I knew lyrically how things worked. I knew the vagueness of, of artists like a Carly Simon, not, or James Taylor not revealing who any of the songs were really about. Um, But I, I think that song really brought me on a path to finding other music that not only talked about their lives and what they were going through, But how, as a publicist, I could turn that into a digestible story for the media to pick up and want to write about to reveal their feelings and their own isolation and their own problems and ups and downs as a writer and bring that out to the general public. It it was the first time that that I really found some connection between music and the media and being authentic and loving that music maybe for not how i honestly felt about it but how it made me feel that i would be feeling about it it would be like going back to that last one about you know the breakup songs of of Fleetwood max rumors you don't have to have to go through a divorce to love that album but it helps and i think when you are a little bit screwed up Or you just want to get out your anger and you just want to go out on a Friday night and scream and be angry, even though that I came from a very white privileged background with no damages whatsoever. That song just made me connect with something larger than myself that all these years later, I'm still doing that. Every single day working as a music publicist is finding those lyrics, finding those, those, those thoughts and the reasons why the artist that I work with wrote the song and finding ways to connect to a larger audience.
0: That's amazing. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your day to be here. I have, I have enjoyed this so much. I am, I am always in awe of you when your tweets uh, come across my timeline. So so thank you thank you so much.
1: Thanks Greg. Uh thanks man. Yeah g- excellent. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.